So just by way of reminder, real quick, remember the Apostle Paul is writing to um, not only the church at Colossae, but also we learned last week there was another church in the area, in the neighborhood that he was writing to also. You guys remember what church that was? Laodicea. That's kind of interesting, isn't it, to, to, to be reminded that this church, Colossian church, was neighbors to the Laodicean church, and Jesus would later give a report card in Revelation chapter 3. You guys remember that? Revelation chapter 3. Jesus gave a report card to the, to the church of Laodicea. Um, a number of decades later, a number of years later, he wrote to them or gave them that report card and let them know how they were doing. And so this letter that Paul's writing was not just intended for one group of people, but it was meant to be circulated throughout the neighborhood. In fact, Paul had never seen these people before. He had never been to Colossae, apparently, but he's writing to them. He cares about them. He cares enough about them to share with them, to write to them. And remember, it was Epaphras. Remember Epaphras? He was the pastor of the church at Colossae, and he had traveled to Rome, and he met Paul. Where was Paul at? He's in prison in Rome. He comes, Epaphras comes, and he shares with Paul the amazing work that God is doing in Colossae. He shared with Paul, you would not believe what God is doing. These people, they love the Lord. They love one another. They're serving the Lord. There's amazing fruit that's abounding uh, in the church. And Epaphras had some bad news also, didn't he? Epaphras also told Paul that there's some, some heresies, some heretics, some, some false teachers that were beginning to influence the church. There were winds of doctrine that were now blowing through the church. And so the Apostle Paul is really addressing that very issue as he writes this letter. But he didn't begin with talking about what's false. He began with sharing with them and teaching them, reminding them about Jesus, who he is, and the work that Jesus has done. It's good to be reminded of that, isn't it? Some people major in, some people major in falsehood. Do you know that? They want to study all the cults, all the false teachings, false religions, and they never really get to know the Word of God. And when you don't get to know the Word of God, you don't get to know the God of the Word. And so it's so important that we know God's Word. We have 66 books, right, to major in. That way, when lies do come our way, we can say, time out, whoa, whoa, whoa. God never said that. Because sometimes you hear stuff, don't you, from people? God helps those who help themselves. Anybody ever heard that? And they'll say, it's, it's in the book. And I say, no, it's not. Why? Because that's from poor Richard's almanac. It's not from the book. God helps those who admit they can't help themselves. You know what I'm saying? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We need him. And so it's important that we understand what God's word says, the truth of God's word. That way, when we are fed lies, and I'm saying this because Paul's warning them heavily in chapter 2. In fact, look what he says in verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Do you know we're capable of being deceived this morning? Do you guys know that this morning? We are capable of being deceived. And Paul's saying, I'm writing, listen, I don't want you to be deceived. And we're deceived how? With persuasive what? Words. Subtle words, cunning words, crafty words. And so Paul's like, I don't want anyone to deceive you. And then he says later in verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you or rip you off through philosophy 
and empty deceit. And then in verse 16, Paul said also, so let no one judge you. And then in verse 18, let no one cheat you of your reward. And so Paul's concerned with these people. He's never met them before, but he's so concerned about their spiritual walk with Jesus. And so let's get into this. Let's check it out this morning. Uh, we left, where did we leave off again? Verse five, I'll back up in verse one. And just read down, get, just read down, you ready? Here we go. Paul says, God's word says, for I want you to know, I want you to know this, what great, what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So Paul's like, I'm agonizing for you. Although I've never seen you before, I have agony in my heart. I'm wrestling. I am in a spiritual battle for you guys. And the spiritual battle that we are in, we are involved in every one of us here. Our, our wrestling, our fighting is not against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle that we are in. And Paul, the weapons we have are not carnal, but mighty in God. Correct? And one of those weapons is prayer. And in verse 2, we find Paul's prayer for them. What was his prayer? Number one, that their hearts may be encouraged. Number two, being knit together in love. And then third, attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. And then fourth, to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and of Christ. And so beautiful prayer. That's a great prayer to pray for one another, isn't it, right there? And then he says, he's talking about this mystery again. What is the mystery, by the way? What is it? You guys know? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where do we find that? Do you guys remember? Chapter 1, verse... I'm gonna read, I'll read it. Verse 27. Because isn't that important? Isn't that good news this morning? Jesus is in your heart. He's with you no matter where you go. He's not grossed out by you. He's sticking around. He's patient with you. He loves you. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Is that good news this morning? Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul says. In verse 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of this mystery among the Gentiles. What's the mystery, Paul? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul prays that man, we would come to, 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 to know that in a deeper way, a more intimate way, that special mystery of Jesus living in our hearts. And then it says about Jesus, look at verse two of chapter, or verse, yeah, verse three of chapter two, in whom, speaking of Jesus, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So how many of the treasures? Most? Many? 90%? All? How much is all? All. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found not in a program, not in some religious system, they are found in a person. They are found in Jesus Christ. All the treasures of wisdom, it doesn't say are found in college. They're found in Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? So you, the treasures are hidden, not so you can't find them, so that you and I would dig for them, that we would seek him. And Jesus says, when you seek me, you will find me. That's glorious. Okay, are you guys with me still? And then he says, 
Now this I say, why are you saying this, Paul? Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. In other words, Paul said, listen, I don't want you to be ripped off, deceived. And people will try to do that to you. Not only in the world trying to get to your, not only in the world trying to get into your wallet, but in the church also, or try to take you in a different direction, steer you in a different direction. And that's what was going on at Colossae. There were people coming into the church and saying, oh, it's great you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, but that's not the full story. You need this special mystery. And and Paul says, you know what what the mystery is? It's Christ in you. (laughs) It's not some deeper thoughts and deeper things, and you got to buy this special tape series. They don't have tapes anymore. You have to buy this special book, and then you, and then, and then you need to learn these heavy revies that we have, and then you'll be, and then you will have attained spiritually. And Paul's like, that's a bunch of nonsense. People will try to deceive you with their words. I don't want you to be deceived. In fact, he goes on and says, look at verse five with me. For though I am absent in the flesh. Although I'm not with you, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And so Paul's like, although I'm not with you, I am rejoicing. I am with you in spirit. Paul understood that that we are connected as brothers and sisters, correct? Are we connected as brothers and sisters? We are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We have this unique, beautiful connection together as a family. And Paul knew that. He recognized that. In fact, when one member suffers, we all, we all suffer. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And Paul's like, I am rejoicing. What's he rejoicing over? Two things. Look what it says. And Paul uses military terms here. He says, number one, I'm rejoicing in your your order, and then second is your steadfastness. Order means you exactly know your place and go through a channel of command. Isn't that good? You exactly know your place and you go through a channel of command. I asked first service, the military people in our church, what happens if you're, you don't follow orders or if you're out of order? Is it good or bad? Any other sol- soldier, right? Bad, right? No bueno. No good. No bueno. <laughs> out of order, don't follow through in this chain of command. And Paul's like, I'm commending you for your order and your steadfastness of your faith in Christ Jesus. Steadfastness means you're dug in, you're immovable, no retreat, no surrender, you are all in. And so they're dedicated. And by the way, isn't it interesting? He says, I'm rejoicing to see your good order. Order is good, isn't it? Is order good, you guys? It is, isn't it? Is, it import- is order important? How about when you're putting together something from Ikea? You get to put stuff together from Ikea? It doesn't resonate. How about when you're putting together your kids' toys at Christmas time? When they're little. Anybody remember that? You get them the, the Barbie castle. And they open it up and they're super stoked. And what do they do? They want to put it together on their own. And they look at the cover. They look at the package. I'm going to do just what it looks like right there. And they start putting stuff together. And what happens? It's all jacked up. And, and you tell them, Dad wants to help you. And they say, no, we can do that. We got this. It gets all messed up until they cry and say, Dad, will you fix this? 
because they were putting the parts together in order. Same way in baking, too. You get the baking order mixed up, what happens? Is it good or bad? It's bad. And so what happens when things are out of order in your life? Is it good or bad? It's bad in your home. It's bad. There's no peace. There's chaos. There's drama. Anybody like drama in your home? In the church? No. It's because you're out of order, and that's what happens when you're out of order. There is no peace. There's pain. There's trouble. There's struggle. And things get out of order when we are not submitted to the Lord and submitted to his word. And Paul's like, man, you guys have good order in the church. And I would say, listen, I celebrate, I rejoice this church. There is good order in this church. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. Because if Jesus is number one, everything's going to work out. But if we get it jacked up, if Jesus is like second in your life or third, your order's wrong. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The problem is we seek after all the things and then ask the Lord to bless it. And the order gets messed up. It gets jacked up. And we wonder why we're empty, we're not fulfilled, and life is not working. But life will work when you put Jesus first. We're learning that Wednesday night in Proverbs. All this amazing wisdom from God that he has for us to walk in so that life would work for us, that we would live a blessed life where we see God work in in a special way in our homes, in our marriages, with our families, and in his church as well. Look at the second thing Paul is rejoicing over, their steadfastness of faith, of their faith in Jesus Christ. So they're dug in, they're immovable. That word also means stubborn. We can be stubborn, can't we? Can we be stubborn, y'all? It's like 10% of the room. Ask your spouse. (laughs) Ask your kids. Ask your mom and dad. We we can be stubborn, can't we, in certain areas of our lives? What's important is that we need to be stubborn for Jesus Christ. They were stubborn for the Lord. They were immovable, dug in. And so Paul's rejoicing in their order, their steadfastness. It was worth celebrating. And then Paul goes on. Look what he says in verse 6 and 7. He gives the church an exhortation and says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So Paul says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So think back with me. How did you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord? Do you remember what happened? Wasn't it with simple trust? Was it with simple trust? Simple faith, by grace, through faith? Brokenness? Was there brokenness? There was brokenness, wasn't there? Or did you say, I belong in this kingdom, you know? Good thing God got me. Was there brokenness? Childlike faith? Correct? As you, how did you receive the Lord? This is like super crucial, what he's saying here. I, I was in a hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, at the, at the end of the, my rope, at the bottom And it wasn't a preacher, it wasn't a pastor, it wasn't an evangelist. I was was sitting, I was broken. Recognized that I was living a lie, a phony, 
recognizing that I had no relationship with Jesus Christ, that I, man, I have damaged so many other people. I damaged my own life. God, I'm so sorry. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you, would you wash me and, and make me a new person? God, would you do that? I've blown it. I need you. I trust you. I believe in you. I will put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Listen, we all come into the kingdom the same way. Correct? Simple trust, brokenness, recognizing my need for a savior, recognizing my need for Jesus Christ. And so just as you receive Jesus, look what he says, so walk in him. Continually walk with Jesus or in Jesus the same way. Simply trusting him. Don't complicate it. Don't, it's not some new thing. It's not some new spin, Paul is saying. Just as you receive Jesus, keep walking with him. Keep following him. Keep doing the same thing you've been doing since the beginning when you began your journey with Jesus. The way you became a Christian is key to the way you live the Christian life. Do you guys understand that this morning? This is like crucial. You don't become a Christian. You don't begin to follow Jesus and then follow someone else or something else. We continue to walk with him, simply trusting in him, walking in humility and in brokenness because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The same way you became a Christian is the same way you grow as a Christian, the same way you live as a Christian. Paul said to the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, now continue in the spirit. It's a spiritual, it's a spiritual birth, it's a spiritual work, and it needs to continue in the spirit. It's not like, okay, I've... I gave my life to the Lord, now I'll take it from here, Lord. You know what I'm saying about that? I'll fix this on my, in my own understanding, my own strength, my own wisdom. It's like, didn't we just sing the song, Lord, I need you? We do, don't we? What does it say, every quarter I need you? Is that how the song went? Every what? Every hour, every moment. I need you. I recognize apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm in desperate need of more of you and less of me. And so the way you met Jesus is the way you live every day with Jesus. And by the way, brokenness is a good thing in God's kingdom, isn't it? In the world, brokenness is a bad thing, right? That dude's broken. That chick's broken. Get a, get a new person. Get a new worker. Get, get a new product. Get, get rid of them. They're broken. In God's kingdom, listen, brokenness is a good thing. In fact, it's the best thing. Again, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we're broken, God can use us. He can use our lives because we're not, we're not trusting in our own abilities and our own wisdom. We're saying, Lord, I need you. I'm a broken man before you. I got nothing to offer apart from you, Jesus. So fill me, Lord. Fill me up that, that truly rivers of living water would flow from my innermost being. Well, notice it's that word walk. That word walk means not only to walk all around, to tread all around. It means to live in and to follow. And walk suggests the direction of your life. We're following Jesus. But it also suggests a pace of your life too. Notice it doesn't say run, does it? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so run in him or speed walk in him. You guys ever seen somebody speed walking? Isn't it weird? It's like awkward, like... It doesn't say that. It's walk, it, there's a pace. You're, walk, you're following Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. Was Jesus ever in a hurry? No, then why are you? Why are you in a hurry? Why are you in such a rush? 
Because we're so concerned about the end product, and the Lord is concerned with the process. Just walking with him, moment by moment, day by day, with the Lord. Well, listen, the only time we ever see, I think, in the scriptures, God in a hurry was when, remember, the prodigal came home? And God ran, the Lord ran to meet him before the village people got him. And so you're in connection with Jesus. Stay simple, stay humble, keep trusting him. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians? He was worried about the Corinthians that Satan somehow corrupted them and that they would leave the simplicity that is found in Christ Jesus, the simplicity of walking with Christ Jesus. And Paul's saying this because, remember, there's false teachers, there's heretics that make things complex, heavy, complicated. There's scams and plans and plots and con jobs that want to take you away from a simple love relationship with Jesus Christ. And in 20 years of ministry here in Texas, I've seen it happen many times. People get picked off from the church. And it's so sad. When spiritual life, spiritual health, spiritual growth is all about being connected to Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear what? You'll bear much fruit. Stay connected to me. Get your, get your sustenance from me. Get your life from me and your life will be fruitful. It's not Jesus plus something else. Being connected to something else. It's being connected to Jesus and him alone. God made salvation and growth so simple, even a child can understand it. He's the, shep- he's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. And that's by design. The good shepherd is not dependent upon the IQ of the sheep, correct? I, listen, I'm learning, I, I'm learning, and it's taken me a while. I'm learning that I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. Just like I began and received the Lord Because when you're preaching the gospel to yourself, you're reminded of the forgiveness, of the love of the Lord, of his care, of his reaching out, of his grace. And as we're sharing the gospel with others, we're reminded of the good news. It is good news, isn't it? Because there's not a whole lot of good news out there. Well, look at verse 7. So we receive Christ Jesus the Lord and we walk in him the same way, and we are rooted and built up in him. Rooted means to do what? To go deep, to establish your roots deep in Jesus, your connection, strengthen your connection with him, right? Spend time with him. What is the way to maturity in the Christian life? Put our roots deep in Jesus Christ. You want true depth? Because the false teachers were saying, we got something heavy, we got something deeper for you. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. The way to go deeper is set your roots deeper in Jesus. It's in him. It's rooting down in him. Draw all your nourishment from Jesus and be built up in him. He is our foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. Isn't he the chief cornerstone? Doesn't the book say that? Paul said that, Peter said that. We measure our lives off of Jesus Christ. We build our lives on him, and we measure our lives off of him. You know what I mean by that? Because we can compare ourselves with one another, can't we? It's okay to be honest in church. Can we compare ourselves with one another? I'm not as bad as the guy in the, the first row over here. Not that it, no, it's cool. I love you guys sitting in the front row. Normally, no one sits there. You get hit by spit, that's baptism. You get, 
extra little blessing. Just kidding. Remember Jesus spoke about the, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector came to God's house to pray. And remember the Pharise- what did the Pharisees say? Thank you, thank you, God, that I'm not like this guy over here. I do this and I do that and I do the other thing. It says he, it says he prayed with himself. Isn't that interesting? Because that's all the further his prayer went. And then the tax collector beat his breast, couldn't even look up to heaven and said, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And so Paul would later write, comparing ourselves with one another is stupid. We measure ourselves off of Jesus, right? He's the chief cornerstone, and we're the, we're, the, we're the living stones being built up in this amazing spiritual house. But we align ourselves with him and see how we're doing with him, and we recognize we fall short, we need more of Jesus, and so we draw our roots deeper into him. We get built up. We build our lives upon Jesus. There's two builders in life, wise builder and foolish builder, correct? Did Jesus say something about that? Sermon on the Mount, he closed it out by talking about two people in life, two builders, wise and foolish. And I pray every day for you guys that we would all be wise builders. Jesus said the wise builder hears his word and, build, and, and puts the word of God into practice in their life. That man builds his house or woman builds their house on the rock. When the storms hit, what happens? The house remains. It's sturdy, it's secure, it's stable. But the other person, the foolish builder, hears Jesus' words and doesn't put them into practice. And it happens all the time, doesn't it? Oh, that was a great study, or that was terrible. When are we going to get done? And then the storm hits your life. No one's immune to storms. Storms hit both houses in that story, in the, what Jesus shared. We all, at some point, a storm will hit your life. Either you're going into a storm, coming out, or you're right in the middle of one. And so we need to be building on Jesus, his word, and putting it into practice in our lives. Notice what else Paul says. Established. Doesn't it say established? Established in the faith. To be stabilized, secure in the faith. Faith comes by? Faith comes by what? Hearing by the, the word of God. Mike, I'm struggling with my faith. What should I do? I Googled it. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Spend time reading your Bible and praying. What begins to happen? Man, you start to read God's word. You, you start to read in the Old Testament. And you see God's faithfulness to the, to, the, to the heroes of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, how God worked in their lives. And those people that didn't walk in God's wisdom, they rejected, rejected the counsel of God and, and went after false gods. And, and you see where that ends up, going, going away from the Lord and, and not continuing to walk with him. And you see what a life gets detonated. But then you begin to read, you see a prophecy, and you realize, wow, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy and that prophecy. Wow, that's awesome. And then you get in the New Testament, and you're reading your Bible, and you're, and you're reading about Jesus, and you're seeing the things, and you recognize he does those things in your life, and you're learning more about him and his ways and who he is and what he did for you. And what begins to happen? Your faith gets stronger. Why? Because you get to know him more. It's, it's a lot easier to trust someone you know. Correct? 
The more you get to know him, the more you get to love him, the more you get to trust him. Real simple. It's by spending time with Jesus, by reading your Bible and praying. It can't be that simple. It sure is. Don't leave the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, established in the faith. Notice what Paul says at the end of that, ver- end of that uh, phrase, established in the faith as you have been what? As you have been taught. In other words, walk in what is solid, what is reliable, as you have been taught. That's beautiful. Are you still teachable? Are you still teachable this morning? We've been learning this again on Wednesday nights. Because sometimes, sometimes we can be corrected and it doesn't feel too good, does it? Does it feel good to you guys? Can you correct But remember what we learned? That those who love correction and instruction, how crucial that is. Otherwise, then the Bible says we're stupid if we don't receive correction. (laughs) It's actually in there, by the way. I didn't use a bad word in church. (laughs) But sometimes you can think, you know what? What does this guy have to say to me? He's been walking with the Lord for a month. Do you know the same Holy Spirit's living in him that's living in you? Well, you know, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and this... This girl, I don't know what she's talking about. She's been walking with the Lord like a year. And then they share something with you and it's like you don't receive it. You're not teachable. And what happens, you miss out on what God wanted to do. And then the Lord has to bring three more people in your life (laughs) to teach you. But I like what it says here. As you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it real fast. 2 Timothy 3 Verse 13, but, and he's speaking about end times. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Oh no, what should we do? Paul says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful, what Paul says to Timothy? He says, listen, the further you get, are we in the last days, by the way? We are. It's happening with more intensity and more frequency. The Lord is coming. And he says, there's going to be deceivers. There's going to be deception, deceivers. But you must continue in those things you've learned and the things you've been assured of And did you catch what else he said? And knowing from whom you have learned them. Listen, I learned learned God's word from my pastor and Pastor Chuck Smith, who started Calvary Chapel. And I am eternally grateful for two men who didn't just teach, but they walked in the things that they taught as well, leaving an example to the flock. You know what I'm talking about? It's important to be assured of who you learn them from as well, because it's, it's, it's wrong if we're saying one thing, teaching one thing, and not walking in it ourselves. Are you with me? We need, that's what the Pharisees did. They laid heavy trips on people and weren't willing to lift one finger to lift that burden themselves. We need to walk in the things that we are teaching, especially with our kids too, gang. We can't be teaching something at home, coming here with you know, smiley face, coming here with a smiley face and going out, the, going out the door and being somebody different. 
Do you know kids have a baloney meter? You know what I'm talking about? They do, don't they? They know. If you're faking it, if you're a phony, they, they know probably better than anyone else besides the Lord because they see you day in and day out. And so it's like, no, be the real deal. And if, we're, if there's a discrepancy, pray that the Lord would help that decrease in our lives. Look at the last part of this verse. So established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding in it. What's abounding mean? Do you guys use that word ever, abounding? Do you guys ever use that word? Honey, that tofu surprise was abounding with flavor. Do you guys use that word? What does abounding mean? Full, overflow. It's more, it's more like overflowing with thanksgiving. Over, and overflowing in all of this with gratefulness. You know what I'm learning, and, and, and I pray that maybe it might help you, is that it is hard to pull someone away from something they're thankful for. If you're continually giving thanks for something or someone, it's hard to get pulled away. It's hard to get pulled away from Jesus if you're continually thankful for him. Thank you, Lord. You are awesome. I love you. I wake up praising him and thank him. Listen, it's hard to get pulled away from your spouse if you're thankful for them. You know what I'm talking about? Lord, I just thank you for this radical Christian babe you gave me. She's so awesome, Lord. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about? It's so sad when you see like a marriage derail and you wonder if they were even thankful. Was there gratefulness for the one that God brought into their life? This is so important. Abounding. I'm overflowing. It's a, it's a mark that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Giving thanks for everything, for all things. In context, it's like, man, you receive the Lord this way, keep walking, being rooted, being built up, established, bearing fruit, being grounded, established in your walk, and always giving thanks. When was the last time you gave thanks? We just sang a song, didn't we? Thank you, Jesus. When was the last time, though, you gave thanks to the Lord, or thanks for your spouse, or thanks for whatever the Lord is doing in your life? Can you stop and give thanks to him? and Just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me, rescuing me. I was on the, man, the highway to hell. And you saved me. And you gave me a fresh start. And you washed away all my sins. Thank you, Lord. It is hard to pull someone away from that, the simplicity of what the Lord has done. And so no religious system can give us what Jesus has given us. No religious system comes close to what we have in Christ Jesus. Nothing comes close to what we have in Christ Jesus. It was cool. A couple weeks ago, I got to visit my girls in uh, San Diego in college, and I shared uh, a couple weeks ago how that went and stuff. There were a couple of young men that were, um, that were seemingly uh, departing from following the Lord, and, and I shared with them. I said, listen, if you go and find something better than Jesus... You call me, and I'll be right there with you. <gasps> Can you say that, Pastor? I did. If you find something out there better than Jesus, you call me. Here's my number, and I'll fly out there, and I'll be with you. I'll leave everything to be with you. They were stunned, like some of you right now, because <laughs> there's nothing better than Jesus out there. 
I've tried the world. I've tasted the things of the world. It's junk. Nothing compares to Jesus walking with him, growing in him, abiding in him. And maybe some of you are saying, well, what does this look like practically? This being rooted and established. Can I just encourage you again to read your Bible and to pray, to be in fellowship. It's so important to be in fellowship, to be connected with brothers and sisters. Why? Well, we're told we are to, to hang with those people that call, out, call in the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But also, you and I are body parts connected together. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We sharpen one another up. We are able to minister to one another. And the body is not quite what it should be when we are not ministering together. According to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, we're fitted together. We're, we're knit together. We're growing together. And each one has something to supply, it says, to each member of the body. Your life is crucial. We miss out. If you're just someone that comes and just bolts, we miss out on your life. We miss out on what, what, what God wants to do through you and to minister to us. That's why it's so important to be connected within the body. And so what else? Serving the Lord. There's nothing like serving the Lord, you guys. You want to grow in Him? Want to be built up in Him? Take a step in faith. Take a step out in faith to serve Jesus with the gifts he's given you. And you know what you find? Well, I don't know if I could do this. I'm a little scared. When you're out of your comfort zone, you know you're walking by faith. And the Lord will give you everything you need to be successful in what he's called you to do. Real simple. Singing songs, worshiping the Lord, you're reminded of how great he is. You begin to grow. You begin to be built up. And so verse 8, we have time we do, sweet. There's two of the greatest verses in the Bible, 9 and 10. Look what it says. Beware lest anyone cheat you through what? Through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Is that like amenable stuff right there? Isn't that awesome? A deity of Jesus Christ verse and a reminder that you are lacking nothing verse. So beautiful. And then a warning. Look at verse 8. And by the way, this is in the Greek, it's continually beware. What does beware mean? Watch out. Look out. Danger. So if you see a, a beware of dog sign on someone's door, do you walk up and stick your finger and meow? Do you do that? Why? You're going to get, get hurt. Correct? Now it's like, never mind the dog, beware of the owner, <laughs> with a, like Yosemite Sam type deal. <laughs> but Paul mentions some stuff here that you can buy into, that will take you to a place where you have no business being, a place of danger. He says, no, look what he says, beware lest anyone do what? Che cheat you. You guys ever been cheated or ripped off? You ever been ripped off? 
It, it also says, King James, anybody King James Version? Beware lest anyone spoil you. Is that what it says, King James? Beware lest anyone spoil you. You guys ever had something spoiled? I'm seeing some faces going. Like you take the milk out of the fridge without looking, and it's got lumps. And There we go. That's the faces I wanted to see right there. <laughs> but it's even, it's even worse than that. That word uh, cheat, it means, check this out, it means to ruin it means to carry off like a predator has just caught its prey to eat. And it also means, check this out, it means to carry off as a captive. It's another military term. Beware lest anyone carry you off as a captive. You know what that means? Being brought into bondage. We've been set free, haven't we? Jesus has set us free, right? He set us free. His, the, his word is truth. The truth sets us free. But he's warning us that there's a danger of being enslaved or being entrapped. And what does he say? What will spoil you? What will ruin you? What will bring you into bondage, captivity, and be mauled through number one? What does he say? Philosophy. And philosophy, you guys know it means fondness of wisdom or love of wisdom, right? But the problem is, that's a good thing, a love of wisdom. The problem is this refers to secular philosophy, which elevates itself over God's wisdom. It's man-made ideas, man-made theories, man-made teachings, listen, that go contrary to the truth of God's word. It's thinking that doesn't lead you closer to Jesus and his word, but it's thinking that leads you to, what does it say? Empty deceit. Empty deceit. And a great question to ask ourselves when we hear something or read something is what? Did this come from God or did this come from man? Because philosophy is man fashioning man after his own wisdom, after his own ideas, after man's... Look around us. What, what's man's wisdom producing right now? Good, are we getting... Are we good and getting gooder and gooder? Look, what, look where we are with man's wisdom, with man's order. You with me? We just talked about good order. Look where we are with man's, with man's order and man's wisdom all around us. That's what it produces. Produces what? Produces more sin, more transgression, more iniquity, more lies, more deception, more hurting one another, more pain. But God's wisdom, man, Jesus said wisdom is justified by her children. You look at God's wisdom in God's children being worked out, and it's beautiful. Life begins to work for us. We realize this is how you do marriage. This is how you do life. This is how you treat people. This is what life is all about. Not what the world says. Man comes up with all kinds of ideas because it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Listen, God's wisdom produces a higher quality of life rather than empty deceit. Some translations say high-sounding nonsense. Isn't that fitting? High-sounding nonsense. I had some professors. High-sounding nonsense. My philosophy teacher, high-sounding nonsense. His theories, ideas, and then there was some spiritual talk that sounded so cool, but, but, but it was so highfalutin, like big words. 
but it doesn't measure up to what God's word says. And the problem is they don't answer, they don't answer the real questions of life, even some of them that claim to. You know what I'm talking about? Where do we come from? Why are we here? You guys ever study that in philosophy? What is life all about? Why do we treat one another the way we do? What's going on? Why is there death? Where am I going after I die? Is there hope? Hey, listen, God's, God answers all of those questions and more in his word. And he, wants, and he wants that to be our boast. Not to lean on our own understanding, but whose understanding? His. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. God said, make that your boast, that you know and understand me. That we would know him. He wants us to know him and understand him and understand these questions and be able to answer these questions. Listen, sorting stuff out apart from Jesus is a trap. You're going to get cheated. It's not good. That's what Paul's saying here this morning. And what it comes down to is what? According to what? Look what it says with me. According to what? What does it say? The tradition of who? The tradition of men. What is the tradition of men? It's what men come up with and pass along to the next generation. Man's ideas, man's opinions, man's values, man's standards, man's beliefs. There's lots of man-made traditions, aren't there? That are added to the Word of God. Do you guys know that? There's a lot. Ideas and practices that are not supported by the Word of God. Some of us came out of churches like that, didn't we? You know what I'm talking about? You can't, you can't eat meat on Friday, but if you're an athlete, you get, a, you get this amount. You can have this. That's, isn't that crazy? Or other traditions. There's all kinds of traditions. Jesus had a problem with that, didn't he? With the religious leaders of the day. Because why? Because their traditions were elevated above the word of God. And then ultimately they removed the word of God completely just to worship their traditions and walk in their traditions. And what did it produce in their lives? Hypocrisy. Produced hurt. Unlove. No mercy. Right? The Pharisees, weren't they sin-sniffing, critical fault-finders? Correct? That's what, it, that's what traditions produce in your life. Man-made ideas, man-made opinions, just passed on over. And listen, Christianity is not about tradition. It's about a real living relationship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I, I have to ask myself sometimes, is what we're doing a tradition of men? Because the problem is we can inherit stuff. Do you know that? In church, we can inherit some stuff. You know what I'm talking about? We can inherit some stuff, even good stuff, and become old wineskins or become mechanical, fleshly, and carnal. I don't ever want to become an old wineskin, by the way. I am so grateful for our heritage, Calvary Chapel. I am eternally grateful, for sure. And I love that everything we do lines up with the scriptures. I am like so grateful for that. Do you guys know that? We line up everything we do here. It's not like, oh, this week we're going to have motorcycles jump on the stage and the prophesying parakeets the following week. You, listen, you know what you're going to get when you come, don't you? 
we're, get, we, we're probably not going to get done with chapter 2 this week, so we'll be in chapter 2 again next Sunday. And the same Connection Center will be open for, to help you get plugged in, to help you find your place in the body. Do you know that? Wednesday night, we're taking a break from Proverbs, but we're going to have a Thanksgiving service, praise and worship. This afternoon, Sunday afternoon, we're going to have our service, prayer, worship, word, breaking bread together, taking communion. You know what you're going to get? Every time we gather together, guess what? There will be the word of God. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to guess. We're 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 going to get into the word of God. God blesses the basics. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, fellowshipping and prayers, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. Listen, I, I'm going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account for what I did as the pastor of this church. And it's, I take it very seriously. And that's why we go through the Word of God week after week, month after month, year after year. That's why we put into practice the things that we learn. We don't just, we don't just say, you know, yeah, we teach the Bible. We do what it says. And we walk in that. And God blesses that. And he honors that. In fact, isn't that what Samuel said? God honors those that honor his Word. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when I pass through the veil. When I go home to be with Jesus, when we stand before him, and it's by doing it his way. And as we begin, we continue. As we receive Jesus, as we begin. Jesus said, I will build my church. Do you know that takes all the pressure off of us? Do you guys know that? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Does that free up anybody here? That means we just love the Lord, love one another. And what does he do? He builds his church. If the, if, the, if the money is short, we don't need to do a service on God's going bankrupt. It's his church. If he wants to wrap it all up, hallelujah, he's got something better for us. You know what I'm saying? It's, we trust him. He's building his church. And so, look at how it finishes, because we're done. We're out of time. What would you say? Keep going? Okay. Come <laughs> on. According to the basic principles of the world, that's man-made concepts or ideas of the nature of the world, and not according to Christ. All of these things exclude Jesus. Therefore, they're bogus. They're a ripoff. It's not true wisdom or knowledge because all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus Christ. Correct? Isn't that what it says? And so... If these things get elevated, they're elevated at the expense of Jesus. Our eyes go off of Jesus, and now they're on something infinitely inferior. When we have everything we need in him, we are complete in him. In fact, as we finish, remember what God said to the nation of Israel. It was like a last call. The children of Israel, the southern kingdom, were about to go into, they had already begun going into captivity. And God speaking to Jeremiah, listen to what he said. He said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. What does that mean to forsake? 
That sounded right. One more time. Abandon. Turn your back on. To ditch. Number one, evil. God says, my people, they've ditched me. They've turned their back on me. Do you know the Lord says to you and me this morning, I will never leave you nor forsake you? And God says to his people back then, you've ditched me. You've, I'm the fountain. I'm the what? I'm the fountain of living waters. I am an ever-flowing supply of spiritual vitality, spiritual health. Everything you need will be flowing in your direction when you're tapped into me, when you're connected to me. And now you're forsaking me. And then he says the second evil, listen to this, and hewn themselves cisterns. What does hewn mean? To carve out, to dig out. What's a cistern? Something that holds water. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. What's, what's the Lord saying to his people? He's saying, you've turned your back on me. Here I am. I want to supply everything you need. You turned your back on me, and you're carving out your own little thing over here to hold, to hold what you need. And guess what? It's broken, and nothing's staying in there. There's emptiness. And you know what? That can happen. Remember where our study began? Paul was writing. He's writing to not only Colossae, but who else? <gasps> to, to who? Who else was he writing to? Remember what happened in Laodicea? You say you're rich. You got it all. That's what they were saying. We got everything. We're dialed in. We're rich. We are in need of nothing. And Jesus said, don't you know you're poor, naked, wretched, and blind? You don't even know it. You think you got it going on. And what's so crazy is, is Revelation, I think it's 320. And you guys know, because we use this as an evangelistic verse, don't we? Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? And, and that's true. He does. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. But do you realize what Jesus is saying? You guys realize what he's saying? This is heavy. He's saying, I'm outside the church knocking, trying to get in. You think you're doing church. You think I'm right in the middle, but I'm outside trying to get into your church. I'm outside trying to get into your life. You've bought into all this stuff of the world. And I'm, I'm not even there. That's heavy. Isn't that heavy to you guys? And, Paul, and this was the letter they received. Paul loves these people, and he's never met them before, and he cares about them. And it's a heavy mess. It's heavy, isn't it? Beware of this stuff. Look out. There's people out there that want to deceive you and rip you off. Don't be taken away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you this morning? And some of you guys have been here with me for years, and you know what I'm going to say. Stay close to Jesus. Like a one-string guitar. Twang, stay close to Jesus. Twang, stay close to Jesus. That's the safest, most glorious place to be, is staying close to Jesus. Don't leave that place of simplicity. As you've received him, walk in him, rooted, built up, established in the faith, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Amen? Amen. Jesus.